You're listening to Questions on the Way podcast with Greg and Jeremy. Hey, what's up, my podcast fam? We're back. We're back. We're we're back in studio. Are you in three B or three C? I'm in three B again today. Yeah, got a good setup going on down here. I think. <laughs> I think I'm in three A. Is what we're gonna call this one. All right, <laughs> so, sounds good. Yeah. So, anyways, now that we've been in our house for like a month now. Yes. Yeah, so I was adding it up yesterday, and I was like, I could not believe it's been a whole month. I, I know. Mean, isn't that weird? Oh man. Yeah, it is. I got my good, uh, my, uh, we call it the coronavirus beer. What did your wife call it? The Corona? She called was it, it? The, the Rona filter. <laughs> the Rona. Or the Rona catcher. <laughs> That's disgusting. But I've also heard it called the uh, crisis beard. Yeah. But yeah, I always I'm, have a beard and you always have a little bit of a beard. Yeah, it's yours a little is a bit. a lot but, longer than normal. Uh-huh. I'm growing out my hair too. <laughs> yeah. It's, so, uh, it's coming Well, it's along. not going to get... It's not going to get tangled up in the welding helmet anymore, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Since we've been in the, been inside, well, I mean, you be, we've been getting out a little bit, but, but since we're stuck yeah, at we home. Yeah, we are inside more, it seems like. Yeah. I wanted to remember the days gone by when we could go on vacations. Yes. And and the plan for the future. So my my first quick couple of questions is, is where do you want to go on vacation next? And what has been your best vacation to date? Oh man, those are good questions. Um, the next place, it'd be nice to go somewhere warm. It's, it's been a long winter here in Alaska. I mean, it was just snowing yesterday and, uh, it is above freezing now overnight. I just noticed today the low overnight was above freezing. So that's good because everything will start melting. Cause for those of you that are not in Alaska, there's still a ton of snow on the ground. I'm taking out four inch chunks of ice out of my driveway right now. At the date of this recording, we'll just go ahead and say it. it's April 13th. Yes. It's so, yeah. And now what was also very sad is I was looking at pictures from like you and I doing stuff last year about this time. No snow. No snow. Yeah. A it, little bit muddy, but it was not like it is now. There's still feet of snow on the ground in places. I have two feet of snow in my front yard. So you're thinking someplace warm. You're thinking like Hawaii or something like that? Well, and that ties into best vacation. Uh, We we really enjoy Hawaii. We went Mm -hmm. with the kids to Kauai last time. Uh, It was probably about three years ago now, three years ago in August. And it was great. We've been to a couple of the other islands, but Kauai was really nice. It was a really good mix of having a lot of activities but not being too touristy. The beaches sure. were really nice and uh, we really enjoyed that. Oh, that sounds awesome. So uh, my wife and I, we just got back from Maui. We did a trip, first trip together since we've had kids that we did just totally the two of us. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we just got back about a month ago now. It was a nice break for sure to you know get out and go to Hawaii and get away from that cold. But I, and I think I'm pretty sure our next vacation will be to Hawaii too, but man, I want to go to Israel so bad. Yeah, you do. You, you talk about that a lot. That would be yeah. pretty awesome. I, oh. a guy, I think I was on a website the other day and he was saying how he had been to Israel, I think over 30 times, but it was still his favorite place to go. And he's like, I can't wait till I get back there. And I was like, that's so cool. Well, we work with somebody that just got back from Israel and I was talking to him and he was like, man, I swam in the water that Jesus walked on. I mean, how cool is that? That's right. Pretty, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. That'd be awesome. Oh, sounds. Yeah. Sounds just amazing. When so. we are able to travel again. Yeah. When we're able to travel again and it will come. It will. Yeah, it'll happen. So it'll be awesome to just get out, I think a little bit more, but yeah. And it's kind and, of funny cause I'm not like, I like people, but. I'm kind of, I also like solitude and having my alone time and I've been not around people enough that like, I'm okay with like going to somewhere and hanging out with some people. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds novel right now, but that would be cool. (laughs) So no, that's pretty funny. Unfortunately, there's some sad parts about this, this quarantine and, or hunker down, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and before we get into the question, I just wanted to talk a little bit about some of those numbers. I got these numbers just from from reputable news sources. So these aren't made up. But uh, the disaster, the National Disaster Distress Helpline, 
calls are up 891 percent wow the crisis hotlines in los angeles are up 75 times mm. domestic violence calls are up anywhere between six and 50 percent depending on where you're at in the country here's this one's crazy uh i wasn't able to find very good numbers for the u.s but pornography website traffic in india country of india mm. is up 95 percent in the wow. last month Wow. And that that's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, it just kind of goes to show you there's a lot of angst, anxiety, mm-hmm. lack of hope mm-hmm. just going on right now. It's really sad. And so I think that just those numbers kind of set up some of our questions. I just have some questions about, you know, these pandemics. Yeah. And the, ver- the very first one is, is why do pandemics happen? Yeah, it's it. Man, the, the, this episode, I think. I feel like in a way, I don't know about you, but for me, I was kind of avoiding, I was kind of mm-hmm. avoiding it a, a little bit because... We tried it, not to even mention it at first, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, it, you know, you don't know how long, stepping into this a month ago, and I know in other parts of the world it's been longer, but in America, stepping into this, you know, what is this going to look like? How long is this going to go on? There's so many things happening and uh, there's a lot. there's a lot of voices and I think in a lot of good ways, people in the Christian realm, you know, and churches and, uh, have stepped up and started putting content online. You know, you can go to church services online now, which is really cool to be able to see into these different pastors and worship teams and just getting different, I guess, you know, we're all gifted differently. So just being able to experience different gifts that aren't locally available, maybe. And it's really, yeah. that's been really cool. And I think there's some good things, but as people were stepping up and stepping up, you know, I know that you and I felt like this podcast is something that we're called to do. And this is a voice that we yeah. have and God has called us to to do this and how would we speak to it? And so I think we were just patient and now seems like the time to speak to it. And so we're going to, yeah. we're going to lend our, our voice to it. But yeah, why do pandemics happen? I honestly think if you look back, you know, we covered this in episode seven when we talked about why mm-hmm. do bad things happen. That's what I put down too as part of this response. Yeah. Yeah. And we went into that very much in detail. And I, I feel like that was a great, really timely episode as it was on kind of the front end of what was going on with COVID-19. But bad things happen in the world because of because of sin, because of the curse mm-hmm. of sin. And we talked quite a bit about that in Genesis when when Adam and Eve and and Satan essentially were given the the indictment by by God saying, like, this is what life is going to be like from here on out and bad things happen in the world because there's sin in the world, because we fall short of God's standard because we at the first chance rejected God and what he sovereignly provided as like, this is what I've designed creation for. And Adam, you know, took the fruit. We know the story of the eating of the apple of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that changed everything. And so this perfect Mm -hmm. environment that God had set up in this plan was immediately derailed by sin. And since then, humanity has been paying the, the price. And the the world, the world that God created perfectly, has been paying the price. And so I would say short answer, that's why pandemics happen. I mean, scientifically, I, I don't yeah. actually know. <laughs> um, but yeah, from, from the standpoint of of the Bible and, and of truth and, and, and God and holiness and all that stuff, you know, they happen, it happens because of sin. Well, I mean, don't those numbers just, just, uh, I don't know, what's a good word for that? They just demonstrate that so well too, because as soon as this pandemic happens, you just see people just, they clamor to sin, you know, and we're all guilty in a way, but rather than the first thing that you, like for me, for instance, rather than the very first thing I think of is, Hey, I need to go to Jesus. Everybody, I think, and I shouldn't speak for everybody, but I know myself included, I search for those idols. Like, ah, I really wish I could just go for a run right now and clear my mind of all this stuff rather than really, you know, getting into the word and praying. Yeah. I think when we're, we've been forced out of our normal, right? We've been forced out of our normal routine and sin has different holds on different people. And we all sin. The Bible is clear that, that we all sin, even even Christians who have been forgiven of our sin. We still sometimes live in the flesh and engage in sin. And 
but sins, I think different sins have different holds on people. And when we're taken out of our normal, when we're jarred out of that regular routine, mm-hmm. that is going to be one of the things is that we're going to, we're going to turn to try to self-medicate, whatever that might look like, you know, some, in some ways, maybe a little bit healthier than others, but you're right. The reality is if you're putting anything in the place of turning to true hope in Jesus Christ, um, those, those numbers are going to get bad. You know, like you said, um, domestic violence is up. Pornography use is up. Uh, I would, I would imagine that substance abuse, uh, those types of things, um, you know, medicating, Way up. yeah. And even like you think things like, oh, well, you know, I, I saw that exercise is up 88%. Uh, mm-hmm. I forget what I, but you might go, oh, well, that's a good thing. That's healthy. People make healthy choices. Well, it could be making healthy choices. It also could be trying to cope with this fear and anxiety and this frustration that they don't know what else to do with other than to turn it to this idol of exercise. So I think it is a unique opportunity to turn our focus and our hearts towards something. And like you, the numbers you just shared, I think a lot of people are not turning it to a healthy place in a place where they're going to reach the bottom relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, and that, that brings us right perfectly into our next question is, is where is Jesus in a pandemic? And this question is a really interesting question in a way, because you could read into this a couple different ways, like, okay, where is he and why is this thing happening? Or, uh, another way you could think of it is how do I reach Jesus in this pandemic? So, yeah, totally, totally. I, mm -hmm. when I, when I hear this question, where is Jesus during a pandemic? You know, I, I always, go to kind of like the simplest form of the question. And the question I hear in the question is, where is Jesus? Like, where is he? Right? Like, if -hmm. you believe that he came to earth and lived as a man and then he died and he rose again, which we just celebrated, where is he now? And if if I take it at face value, just, and I leave off the, where is he during a pandemic, but where like is Jesus? He's at the right hand of the father. And if you look, uh, Mark 16, 19, this is uh, Jesus after the resurrection, after he's appeared to his disciples. Uh, he's talked to them. He's given them the, the commission of what's, what's coming up next. It says, So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Mm-hmm. And for me, it, that answers that question on the surface level. It's like, okay, Jesus is, he's, he's at God's right hand. Jesus is the son of God. And so he is currently with God. And what is he doing at the right hand of the father? And that's what I love. And that's where I went next is that he is interceding for us. If you look yeah. at what, what interceding means, the word means to intervene on the behalf of, and it's like, okay, well that makes sense. But what does intervene means? And it means to come between to alter the course of events. And that is Jesus, his current job at the right hand of the father and the right hand. If you look at uh, Old Testament history and you look at culture and context, the right hand is the strong hand. Most people are right-handed. The right hand is the, is the hand of power. It's the position of power to be at the right hand. And, and Jesus is seated at God's right hand in the position of power. But what he does there is he intercedes for us. He is constantly going before the Father to intercede for our sins and our shortcomings. Hebrews 7.25 says that he lives one of the reasons why Jesus had to resurrect from the grave and live is to make intercession for our sins. So though oh. he died and defeated sin and death on the cross, he couldn't stop there because he had to rise again because he has to continually make intercession. First uh, John 2, 1 says that he is an eternal advocate for us because our salvation, though it's a one-time event of being, you know, sins being forgiven, it's a lifetime mm-hmm. event of conforming to be more like Jesus. And so Jesus is there interceding before the father on our behalf eternally. So that's for me is really comforting when I think like, well, where is Jesus? But it takes us to a tricky place because you're like, okay, if that's where Jesus is, what is all this I hear about? Like, oh, Jesus is in my heart. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's kind of where I was going with this is, you know, I know Jesus is at the right hand of the father, but I know that uh, what he sent is his Holy Spirit. And I mean, if you just look at, I told you before this episode even started, I said, my man, Peter's bringing it for this episode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Peter's good. (laughs) So, um, you know, even in in Peter 2.38, it says, uh, I think this is 1 Peter uh, 2.38, 
repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think in order to answer this question completely, uh, where is Jesus in a pandemic? And I want you to speak on this a little bit, but uh, what is this Holy Spirit that he gives us? Yeah, so, and I love that you went there, because that's what I was thinking, because it's like, when you think of Jesus, okay, Jesus is the Son of God, you know, he, he lived as a man, he died for our sins, he's up in heaven at the right hand of the Father, and then you have those questions, if you know a little bit about Christianity, you're like, well, well, isn't isn't God God, you know, and Jesus is Son, and I've heard you guys talk about the Spirit. If you've been listening to this podcast, we've talked around all three of those things, and I think you have to speak into, you know, what is the Trinity, and the concept of the Trinity, um, mm-hmm. God is what's, what is known as a triune being. He is one God in three parts. So we have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of, it's one of those, it's one of those doctrines that we have to take on faith because I don't think that there's a good explanation and understanding like any, any kind of, like I've heard it explained like, oh, it's kind of like an egg, right? Like an egg has a shell, yeah, but then it has the yolk and it has the whatever the white part is, <laughs> you know, oh, oh, right. It's like, or water or water. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's ice or it's air or it's like liquid and it's, or not air, you know what I mean? Vapor. Vapor. And yeah, those yeah. are, those are things that are three. But the thing about, about God is that, um, the father is God. Jesus is God. And the spirit is God. So in one way, they're three distinct personalities, but in another way, they're still one. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about Jesus being at the right hand of the father, Jesus also, like you mentioned, he left his spirit, the spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit, was left to indwell believers. So that when we come to salvation, the Holy Spirit is what lives in us and give, it lives in us in power. When people think, you know, talk about feeling the presence of God, or when people say, you know, the Lord impressed this on my heart, or sometimes people say, the Lord said this to me. What we're talking about is that's the Holy Spirit. That's God's spirit. So the way that I describe it, and, and, and this is my best analogy, is um, the guy Sheldon Van Auken uh, talks about this in a book where he's trying to explain the Trinity. And he says, imagine uh, an author of a book. So the author of the book essentially is God the Father. And so God the Father is the author, and he's writing a book. Well, in this book that he writes, he writes himself as a character into the book. So that would mm. be the Son. So God the Father, as an author of the book, writes himself as a character into the book. That's the Son. But then at the same time, since God is the author of the book and he's writing the whole book, everything in the book has his influence. So oh, yeah. the characters that aren't himself, that aren't his, his son in the book, the other characters of the book have his influence. The, the, you know, the, the settings, the scenes, the things that happen all have his influence, and that would be uh, the Holy Spirit. So you have the Father, the Son, the Spirit. They all three exist within this context of this, of this created book, this book that's written by, by God the Father. So you'll hear people say, God, Jesus, Spirit, and it's really, they, the three do have distinct roles and personalities, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they're the same. So what we know about God is that He is omnipresent. He is in all places at the same time. So we say God the Father's in heaven, Jesus is seated at His right hand, but the Spirit, which is also 100% God, exists in believers, exists in the earth and is, and is everywhere. So God is at the right hand of the Father, when the, which is Jesus, but he's also in us, as indwelling us as his Holy Spirit. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's a... That's that is a really good explanation. It's probably one of the best I've ever heard. I've ever heard personally. And so I think, like for me, short answer is where is Jesus in a pandemic? And uh, man, he's he's wanting to for us to call upon him. He's waiting for us in a way. And then so again, I just want to read something else from First Peter five six here. To me, it almost some it, you could take out like uh, some of these words and just insert coronavirus or COVID nineteen, and it just it fits perfectly. So First Peter five six. Let me just read this really quick, and then mm-hmm. and then we'll have some commentary after. But it says, "Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Be yeah. sober minded. Be watchful." Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, 
Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Mm. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So good. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's, it's... I mean the suffering that's being experienced throughout the world. It's like, Oh man, it's just, yeah. And then you read those numbers that I talked about up, up above the devil. It's a real thing, people. Yeah. Yeah. The wrestling that the, the is not against flesh and blood. And that's going back to the original. The first question is, you know, pandemics happen because of this, because of sin, because of spiritual warfare. And yeah, it's, it's, the Father's heart, His desire is that all mankind would know the name of Jesus. And it's like, well, why would God want the name of Jesus to be proclaimed? It's like, well, because Jesus, the Bible's clear, says that He's been given a name that is above every other name, and that at His mm-hmm. name, at His name alone, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So it's God, it's the Father's good pleasure that Jesus' name is known. So yeah, where is Jesus in a pandemic? Well, He's 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 in it. You know, the, we, we talked in, uh, we've talked before how one of my favorite verses that Jesus is, you know, in all things and through all things and in him, all things hold together. So Mm -hmm. he's in it and he's desiring as always that, that mankind would turn to him, that individuals would look to him and find salvation, you know, the restoration and the rescue in him alone. And so it's, it's just a great opportunity when you look at it on that hand, it's a great opportunity for, for much to be made of Jesus mm, and for the yeah. nations to be turned, that their hearts would be turned towards him. And the one thing that I, it also makes me think about when we, when we say, where's Jesus? Well, he's in you and I as believers, he is in us. So that kind of puts a responsibility on us is okay. Well, God is in me. What do I need to be doing so the world can see God through me? You know, how can I partner right. with you know, food drives or service to the the elderly or the shut-ins or, you know, what can we be doing? It's And that's what I've been wrestling with because it's been hard because we're on this, you know, this hunker down or stay put or depending on where you live in the country or in the world, there's different mandates from government, which again, in Romans is clear that we are supposed to uh, honor and obey the authority that's placed above us because it's placed there by God. Mm-hmm. But as there's re- these restrictions in place, I've been wrestling with, well, I know I'm the hands and feet of Jesus because Jesus lives in me. So what can I be doing? And so it's, I, I've been a little bit struggling with how do I reach, you know, like my neighbors and my neighborhood or these people when sure. I'm not, when I'm supposed to be six feet away, <laughs> you know, it kind of, it kind of like, it's like this imposed distancing that's going on. And, you know, everyone's calling it social distancing. I like, um, Holly Brooks. She's an Olympic athlete that lives up here in Anchorage. She said, guys, listen, it's not social distancing. It's physical distancing. It's like, we're yeah. not so we're not actually socially distant from one another. We, we need to be physically distant, but let's stay socially connected. And I think that's so good. So how do we mm. stay socially connected over this imposed physical distance? And that's what I've really been praying into is how do we serve? How do I be the hands and feet of Jesus? How do I make his name known during this time where there's this, you know, this obstacle in place, but Jesus is in us. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I have another question here and, and I know this is going on in, in especially mostly non-believers mind, but the question is why isn't why isn't prayer working in the pandemic yet? Mm. The whole world is praying every that this pandemic, that the coronavirus just ceases. And yeah. who knows, maybe it will. Yeah. But um if you could just talk into that a little bit. Yeah, and that's man, that's a tricky one because there are different flavors, if you will, of of Christianity. And even within, you know, evangelicals, you know, believing the same thing, mm-hmm. there are different flavors, I guess that's the best way to put it, of people yeah, who think like that, like, this is the way that we should do things. This is the way that God works. This is how it should be done. And one of those that I just, I'm going to call it out right now, but it's, there's, there's a movement about what's called prosperity gospel. And it's this mm-hmm. name it and claim it movement. And it's this thing of where, um, finding a promise in God's word and saying, well, this is what it says. And so I'm going to pray this and this is what should happen. And I think we're on testy ground there because we talked about, you know, last week when we're studying the Bible is that 
the Bible, the verses have context. And yes, everything is true and it's applicable to life. But God's will, because God is sovereign, is what reigns supreme. So when you yeah. say, why isn't prayer working? Well, my question, and I have it written down right here on my sheet, is who says that it isn't? Who yeah. says yeah. That, that prayer yeah. isn't working? Because John uh, 5.16 tells us that the prayer of a righteous man avails much. So our prayers do work. And there's a lot of scripture behind showing how God's will is going to be done, but our prayers are used to unleash God's purposes according to his sovereign plan. And a mm-hmm. great example is in the book of Daniel. You know, Daniel was, uh, when, when Israel essentially fell, when the kingdoms finally fell apart because of the years of just corrupt kings, and God allowed the Babylonian captivity, Daniel was taken to Babylon, uh, and he was a very young man when he was, entered Babylon, but he was very old, and he actually never came back to Israel. But around the middle of the book of Daniel, it talks about that Daniel had been searching and looking through the book of Jeremiah where this captivity was was predicted. It was predicted that the Babylonians would come in, that Assyria would come in even after that. And he's looking in there and he's looking at this prediction of the Bible. And I love the fact that like this Old Testament author is looking at another Old Testament author and being like, hey, this yeah. happened. Like this actually happened. This is true. This is real. And history, even even secular history shows that this, this was a real event and this happened. But Daniel sees in the book of Jeremiah that the time period of our captivity is like, it's coming up. Like we should be getting, Mm. like we should be being released soon to go back. And so he knows this is God's will because it's recorded in God's word. And so what does Daniel do? Does he sit back and be like, okay, yeah, hey everybody, this is going to happen. No, he gets on his knees and he falls before God and he says, please let this happen soon. Let this happen (laughs) now. Let this happen to us in our generation. And he pleads God's will in accordance to what God said that he was going to do. So our prayers, you know, God's will will be done, but the Bible is clear that our prayers are the vehicle that kind of accomplishes that purpose. It's like, we don't do it. God's going to do it anyways. But our prayer, I mean, if nothing else, helps our mindset to be to uh-huh. be in line with what God is doing. So I would say our prayers, you know, they, they are working as long as we're praying in accordance with God's will. If we're praying contrary to the will of God, th- they're not going to work. <laughs> and yeah. so that's why oh, it's yeah, so exactly. important to know what, what God's will is. And I am always taken to the verse Isaiah 55, 8, where it says that, that God's ways are not our ways and that his thoughts are high above ours. So mm-hmm. as we pray, we might think like, oh, you know, protect our nation and bring revival and let your name be known. And it's like, those are all great things. And I hope that, that, that God does that. But the timing and the way that it happens is probably not going to be what the way that I want or that I imagine it to be. That's funny that you say the timing piece, because, uh, uh, again, my boy, Peter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is what Peter says in second Peter three, nine, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, really quick, I, before I should read this, I need to go back, uh, take a step back and and give you context. What Peter's talking about here is he's referencing when Jesus is to come back. Mm-hmm. However, in this time when we're locked in our house for a month, this statement of Peter's, this verse, really well illustrates what God is doing with timing. So mm-hmm. it says, Second Peter 3, 9, again, I'm starting over. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So perhaps, like we've talked about before, Jesus is still at the right hand of the Father. We still have the Holy Spirit as Christians. Why isn't prayer working? It is. However, the timing might be not quite what we expect. How many times in your life has a prayer come true, but not nearly in the timing that you thought that it was going to happen? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because his ways are, they will be done, but they'll be done according to how he wants it to be done. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so good. It just says, you know, the Lord isn't ignoring your, uh, your prayers. Just the timing is different. And Elevation did a really excellent piece just recently about timing Mm. and, and how 
God works. And it was just awesome. And it explained a lot more of about this timing. You pray for a good job. You don't get a good job for five years. Well, that's mm. because there was growth to be had during that time, right? Right, right. Yeah, that's good. It reminds me, I, there's an article, and I'll link it in the episode notes that I read that's off the Ligonier Ministries page. And it's pretty... Um, it's deep. Like it's, you got to think it's a, it's a thinker. It's not a quick read. Like I was like really trying to dig through and process, but it was talking about that. What seems like a contradiction between God's will will be done, but he asks us to pray and to intercede. It's like, well, if his will will be done, what, what's our part in it? And so it was this great kind of like lining up those two things and just really gave a good, I think, definition, uh, better than you or I could give of like the, the, the part that, or the role that prayer plays in, in these types of things. So I know one of the things you said, you know, why isn't prayer working? The original question you sent me was the second part of that question, or maybe just a thought you put in that, but I really oh, sure. liked was, are, are we forsaken? Like yeah. if prayer's not working, if, you know, if we're not having this radical healing that's happening and COVID's just like going away, you know, are we forsaken? And, and I would say, you know, as believers, we can say no, because mm-hmm. In Matthew 28, 20, uh, Jesus says, I'm with you. Behold, I'm with you always. Deuteronomy 31, 6 and 8, it tells us that the Lord goes before us and he is with us, that he never leaves or forsakes us. And so it's, you know, as, as a believer, I can have confidence that, that I'm not forsaken. God is, is mm-hmm. with us. He is in us. He is um, interceding on our behalf. But then on the flip side of that, as an unbeliever, you're not forsaken but you're not on God's good side currently. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's kind right. of like a, a, a nice way to put it. But we know the Bible is, is um, peppered throughout uh, with warnings of coming and impending judgment, that, mm-hmm. uh, that judgment is coming, that there will be famine, there will be pestilence, there will be wars in the last days. And that's a whole other conversation about, well, what are the last days? And are we living in the last days? And pretty much like, from the time Jesus left, anything after that is the last days. These are the yeah. last days of humanity. And so those things are coming. And so we know that. But at the same time, the hope that I find there is the Bible is clear that Jesus desires that all may know him. Um, First mm-hmm. Timothy, I'm going to turn here real quick. First Timothy 2, and I'm just going to read 1 through 6. And this, this goes right along with this question. It says, first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So there's that prayer piece. Like, we need to be praying mm-hmm. for those in high positions, you know, especially now as they're making really hard decisions. But this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So in this passage, it makes clear to me, first off, that we should be praying that this is good, that God desires that all people be drawn to himself. And the Greek word here, draw, it literally means to, to drag, like to yeah. forcibly <laughs> drag something towards yourself. And so that's what God is doing. And so when I look at a, a pandemic or I look at these injustices or these wars or these things that happen, could those be ways, there's nothing that surprises God, right? Because of his sovereign plan, but could those be ways that men are being drawn are being mm-hmm. dragged to him because he wants them to know him. You know, God yeah. wants the world to know who he is. So even if you're feeling forsaken, know that God desperately wants you in his family. He wants you to be his child. You know, the, the Bible uses this language very clearly many times of adopted sons and daughters that are brought into the family and that are loved and have all the rights and privileges and benefits of a loving and benevolent and good father. So, no, we're not forsaken. Yeah, as you've gone through this, I've just had that illustration play through my mind over and over again that actually our friend Trevor brought up to me where the children come to Jesus and, and they crawl up into his lap, you know, and this is a real thing that happened, right? Yeah. So they crawl up into his lap and, and Jesus says the kingdom belongs to people like these, you know, like these right. kids. And 
And so I think during a time like this, I mean, we've hit prayer really heavy, but that's what that's what God wants. That's what Jesus wants. He's waiting on and wanting us to crawl up into his lap. And then just like that that passage I read out of First uh, Peter 5, 6, it says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Yeah. So that's where your hope should be, casting your anxieties on him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the last question that you asked me kind of in the lead up mm-hmm. to this is how do we have hope? How do we have hope yeah. right now during this time? And that hope, the only true and lasting hope lies in Jesus Christ. And in knowing right. that we can be restored to the Father, knowing that there are good things, knowing that there is eternal life one day with God, with Jesus, where we get to be forever in his presence, you know, restored into relationship, into right relationship with Jesus Christ. So the hope lies in, in, in Jesus. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Mm. God so desires that we that we turn to Him, that we trust in Him, that we commit our way to Him, and He will make the path straight. He will, you know. There's another place where it says He will set our feet, and I just imagine like Him physically placing our feet one in front of the other <laughs> on the path that He has set before us as we submit to Him. So I, I think that. Largely, where does our where does our hope lie? It depends on where we're looking for hope. Mm-hmm. You know, at this time, I would say the biggest thing that most people are experiencing is fear. Yeah, you know, it's kind of at the root. It's like a fear of the unknown, a fear of you know getting COVID, a fear of you know whatever it is. But fear is kind of that emotion um, that is driving, I think, other emotions. You know, there may be some anger at play. Mm-hmm. There may be some some other things, but I really think it's fear. And when we look at fear, uh, there's a guy named Chip Dodd who works with people with addiction, but he's come up with these seven kind of emotions. And there's other people that have done that, but each emotion, each God-given emotion or God-given feeling has um, an impairment, a place where if it's taken into an unhealthy place, uh, it also has what's called what he calls a gift. And so when we look at fear, the impairment of fear if we give in to fear, because fear is a normal thing. It's not bad to be afraid. Like that's a God-given response to things. Right. right? You know, it's like if a bear jumps out at you, you know, it's like that's God-given to be like afraid. You should be afraid. And then what do you do, right? (laughs) So, but in this instance, you know, the fear that we're experiencing, if it goes to a bad place and it goes to a place where I'm not turning it to God, but I'm turning to myself, I'm, you know, as all the contemporary pop psychology says, you know, look within. Well, if I look within, there's not a whole lot of answers there. That's for me, that's where that's when I come, you know, I come to the end of myself pretty quickly. But if I'm taking it to the wrong place, it produces anxiety. Anxiety is the impairment of mm-hmm. fear. That anxiety, that worry, that, you know, just, you know, fear in an unhealthy way. But the gift of fear is faith. Awesome. And you know, it's really, it's it's largely our focus that determines that. What are we choosing to focus on? Am I choosing to focus on the problem? Am I choosing to focus on what I don't know? Am I choosing to focus on just all these other things that, you know, like the unknown, really? Like a, a lot of people, I think, is is the unknown. Like, mm-hmm. is this ever going to end? What's it going to be like next? You know, like there are people who are, who are out of jobs. There are people who are hurting. I mean, like you said, domestic violence. There are people physically in really rough places where they're experiencing a lot of fear. And so what do we, what do we do with that? Well, it depends, I think, largely on what we focus on because the gift of fear is faith. And if I'm allowing my focus to be on Jesus and that hope that transcends this life, I mean, honestly, right? I mean, there are people that, I mean, I'm not in this place, but there are people that have lost their jobs. There are people who are, who literally, you know, are being abused. There are people Mm. in our world that are, that are honestly enslaved. And so the fear and the anxiety they feel is very real. And so the only hope I think in some of these situations is really getting outside of oneself and one's current situation and looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who knows the plan. He knows the things that he has for us. And the ultimate plan for him is, is for good. And that might be hard to see, but it's, it's there in the word. It's there and it's found in Jesus Christ. 
the the biggest oh, thing awesome man the biggest thing i see is and i love this so i'm going to use the opportunity to go to the story but the story of um of peter uh walking on the water you know this everyone knows about oh, you know, yeah. jesus walking on water but in uh, matthew 14 matthew's account of this in the gospels is the only one that talks about peter walking on water which i feel is is interesting but in matthew 14 uh starting verse 22 uh, Jesus, this is after the feeding of the 5,000, and it says that immediately he, that's Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. So this, this, we're in this time period where Jesus has just done this big miracle. He sends the disciples on ahead. He goes to have time with the Father. And as the, the disciples are out in the boat, um, there's a huge storm. Now, did Jesus know that that the storm was going to happen. Yeah. He's got, yeah. <laughs> Jesus is God. Like he know he it says he sent them out. So here's Jesus kind of coordinating this faith opportunity. Sure. Right. He sends them out in the boat and it says that he sees that they were struggling. Right. And it doesn't say it in Matthew, but in Mark, it says that he goes out and he starts, begins walking on the water and he intends to walk by them. And I know you and I talked to you and I have talked about that before. And it's like kind of funny. Like Jesus is just like, Sees them struggling, he's just going to cruise on past. Yeah, sup, fam? <laughs> just keep going. Yeah, Peace. and it's so funny because I was like, yeah, it's so funny. And I was talking with my wife about that last night. She's like, you know what, though? One of the things we know about Jesus uh, is that he's, he's a gentleman, Yeah. right? He's strong, but he doesn't force things on us. And she said, maybe that was an opportunity that mm. Jesus was giving them to call out to him because that's what they do. They see him on the water and they're afraid and they call out to him. He says, or in verse uh, 27, that immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. So he called, they call out to him, he responds. And then Peter says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. So Peter gets out of the boat, walks on the water and comes to Jesus. So it's a simple thing. Peter says, is it you, Jesus? And he's like, yeah, it's me. Come on out. Right. Yeah. Well, no, actually Peter asks, like, if it is you, tell me to come. Right. So he's like, he's almost like this test. Like, if it's you, tell me to come out of the boat. So Jesus says, it's me. Come. And Peter takes that first step and he immediately responds and he comes out. But what happens next? It says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. So he gets out of the boat. He's trusting in Jesus. But as soon as his focus shifts from yeah, Jesus to, to his situation, yeah. he starts to sink. And what is, I love that Je I love Jesus' response. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and he takes hold of him. And what does he say to him? Oh, you of little faith. Why did you right. doubt? Because his fear changed focus. And when it changed focus and went to impairment, he no longer possessed the faith that he needed in that situation. But I love what Jesus did there still. He didn't let Peter sink. He reached out his hand and he drew him to himself because that's his desire. And that's how I see us in this situation is that Jesus is desiring to draw all mankind to himself through what's going on in our situation. Where are we going to put our focus? I, I love that story so much because when, when you think about, you know, just the setup before that story, even what you don't probably understand, well, what I understand, but maybe not everybody gets, is that Peter was comfortable in the water before all of this took place. You're talking about a fisherman. This might have been his boat. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, all right, yeah, Jesus, you hang out here. We're, we're out, right? We're going to go out <laughs> into the water. And it gets so bad, probably something, a storm that he's never even seen the likes of before. Yeah. 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 And that initial, that initial jump of faith is just so cool. Cause he's like, all right, it's you jumps out. But then mm -hmm. like you said, there's that little switch, a little, a little bit that we get where we get knocked off by coronavirus, right? Mm -hmm. That little bit where all of a sudden the fear takes over and we start sinking. Yeah. But what we, what we have to do is jump back over to Jesus. That's awesome. That's a really cool illustration. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's so good. You know, the Bible is, again, just full of instances where God is promising that when we trust him and when we turn to him, that he's there for us, that he's going to respond. John sixteen thirty three says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. So there's like, you will have trouble in this world, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome awesome. anything that's in front of us. Uh, Isaiah 43, 2, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. 
And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. They're just, like I said, I've got this list of 10 verses. I'll, I'll put this on the website. It's just so good. But Jesus just promising to give us what we need. Romans 15, 5, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then my final, oh. my final thought on this, Matthew nineteen twenty six. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So yeah. the takeaway really is like in this time, it's like w- that we find ourselves in these tough situations and dealing with this fear and doubt. It's like, where would we place our focus? And when we place it on the one who has overcome the world, we can experience his peace. We can experience his presence and we can come to a restoration of relationship with the God who is sovereign over all of it, who executes total authority and complete control of every situation. That's who we, that's who provides us peace. That's where Jesus is in the pandemic is that he's with the father whose sovereign will will be done and who is working all things together for good for his purposes. It's awesome, man. I love it. So good. Uh, anyway, yeah, I think, man, I just have so much to say about that. I don't even know where my mind's <laughs> supposed to go right now, yeah. but, but anyways, no, Hey, for those of you that are listening, we really appreciate it. Continue. Please ask us some questions. We're kind of like desperate for questions right now. So ask us some questions, be praying for us be praying for the world and and our country and all that stuff that's going on right now. If we hit on anything today, it's just the power of prayer, just casting our prayers on God. And uh, just, we encourage you to continue to do that. The power too of who we're praying to, that it's not just this empty thing. It's not just these words, but that, that those go to Jesus and Jesus intercedes and presents those before the father to intervene on our behalf. I mean, it's just a beautiful picture of Jesus' heart and what we can experience. But yeah, as as Greg said, if you are listening and you like this, if this is providing hope, if this is providing you a perspective, um, share it. Share it out on your social media channels. You know, if you're like me and you're like anyone else during this pandemic, I feel like I'm on my phone a whole lot more <laughs> than usual. I've, I find sure. myself with a lot more time. And so as I'm, you know, scrolling through things, I think if this podcast is encouragement to you, it might be an encouragement to somebody else. So please share it out across your social media. Uh, please, if you see it on iTunes, if you want to rate and review, that'd be awesome. But the way that this thing is going to grow, the way it's going to get out there and in Jesus' name be known is by you guys sharing it. If it's, if it's mm-hmm. something that's helping you, it might, it might help someone else. So if this is something that you're interested in, this, the inundating, just absolutely inundating love of God, reach, you could even reach out to us on uh, Instagram and we could walk you through that or in, in one of our formats that we have, and we could walk you through that. Jeremy, do you want to talk a little bit about just, just casting your repentance on God and asking him into your life? The way that we come to Jesus, and I know we've talked about this before, but if you're listening and you haven't heard this before about who Jesus is and what he's done for you, it requires a personal decision to Mm -hmm. um, accept that Jesus is the son of God and that he carried your failings, your shortcomings, your wrongdoings on himself. And he took them to the cross and he put them to death because in Romans, uh, Paul tells us the wages of sin is death. And so those, mm-hmm. those shortcomings have, have convicted us before uh, a God who is ultimately holy. And Jesus took that on himself and he took it to the cross. So we need to accept that Jesus uh, was the son of God and that he did that. We need to believe that that was enough. We need to believe that that sacrifice canceled that debt, that he paid that debt with his own life. And then we need to confess. We need to confess that we have sinned, that we have fallen short of God's glory. And when we, when we do that, when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is the son of God, we will be restored to right relationship with God, the father. Uh, we, oh, will be, we will be reconciled. We will be rescued from our own understanding. And the awesome thing is we will be given the power of the Holy spirit 
the Holy Spirit that we've been talking about, you know, who, because a lot of these things that we're saying, like, you can't just buckle down and do this stuff on your own. You know, I can't just buckle down and decide, like, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I'm going to have faith. No. It's like, that's not a work. That's not a fruit that you can produce in yourself. Only the Holy Spirit can produce that in your life. And so that is a part of, of God that he leaves with us, that he implants into us, that gives us um, revelation in his word, that uh, gives us uh, understanding of things that, you know, th- we've, we all know we have like this conscience, this kind of like this knowing of like right and wrong. Well, the Holy Spirit comes in and it's almost like if you like ratchet that conscience up to level 10, it's like, that's yeah. what the Holy Spirit will do in you. If you let him, you know, he, he will make you aware of yourself and what's going on. And he will also not only make you aware, but he will equip you in power to make those changes. You know, the Bible says that we become new, we're born again. We become a new creation in Christ. Uh, the old things, the old fleshly things are are cast away and all things are becoming new. And it's a process. It's not um, mm-hmm. something you just do and instantly like you're hopeful and you're joyful. It's, it's a process. You are, I really think, going to experience that kind of like initial buzz when you accept Jesus. I don't know for you, but in my salvation story, even though I was young, like I immediately felt like, oh, this is different. Something is different. Yeah, you know, you know sure. right away, but it is an ongoing process. And we know the devil is out to cast doubt and to put obstacles in your way. And that's a, oftentimes a very clear indication that you're on the path to something really good, that you're on the ultimate true path is when you are experiencing more, more problems. Because, yeah, because you're a threat. Yeah, because you're a threat, and the devil wants to thwart that. It's like if you're experiencing like no, um, no issues in your life. Ultimately, typically, the devil is pretty happy, right? That that, mm-hmm. that you're just you know just cruising along because you're just you know doing your thing and whatever. But about the time that we start making right decisions and, and following Jesus as He leads us to the Father, the devil's going to intervene. Um, there's real spiritual warfare. I mean, that's a whole another episode to talk about um, spiritual warfare. Ask us warfare. the question. <laughs> yeah, ask a question. But anyways, yeah, that's. I think it's a, it's the most important decision that you will make in your life. You know, is to make Jesus uh, your Lord, the Lord of your life, and uh, the Savior of your heart. And yeah, reach out. Like Greg said, reach out. We're on Instagram at Questions on the Way. You can direct message us there or questions on the way at gmail.com. But if you have questions, uh, if you want to talk, if you need to connect in this time, we'd love to connect with you. Um, so you can find us on, on iTunes and other places where podcasts are listened to. Awesome. Cool. Well, that sounds good, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was great. Great, uh, great discussion. Hope it was beneficial for, for you guys as well. Absolutely. Cool. All right. All right. Peace out. Peace.